0: Did you know that over 80% of travelers are watching videos online when planning their trip? Are you ready to join the video revolution? Well, right now, Mondo MediaWorks has a special video package just for inside, in keeping listeners. It includes a two day shoot at your property and three videos. Plus, you get to keep all the raw footage. Head to mondomediaworks.com/slash-inside-inkeeping to learn more and get a 10% discount just for Inside Inkeeping listeners. That's mondomediaworks.com/slash-inside-inkeeping. This is Inside Inkeeping, a podcast from In Partners on the ins and outs of the inkeeping industry. Here's your host, Megan Smith. Hi, it's Megan, and I am here today with Judy Huber from the Chesterfield Inn in West Chesterfield, New Hampshire. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you, and we are going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and we're speaking to you prospective innkeepers out there, as well as maybe innkeepers that are considering having children. And Judy and I both raised our children in our inn, but the difference in our story is Judy arrived at her inn without children and had her her children while she was an innkeeper. So I'm going to ask Judy to start from the beginning and share her story. And then we're just going to have a conversation about what can make that work more easily from two wise women who have experienced it already. So Judy, welcome.
1: Thank you. Um, Well, our story is that we bought the inn when we were 30 years old. We left uh, corporate jobs in New York City um, and we have been living in in southern Connecticut outside of New York commuting into the city. We left corporate life because we wanted to be self-employed. We had traveled around to inns and B&Bs whenever we had free time and we just thought it would be a great way to make a living. Um, but we, when we were working in New York we were both quite focused on our careers and we worked all the time. And my husband was really wanted to have kids. I wanted to have kids but not today. Uh, and so this was a way that we could sort of move in that direction and have the have our children and our business and work together to raise the kids and not have the restrictions that you have when you work a corporate job. In my corporate job, I was working 12 hours a day and commuting to New York and it took up it took up all of my time. There was no room for kids in that. Um, so when we when we found the Chesterfield inn and we moved there, like like any young innkeepers, we worked. We thought that we worked a lot when we had corporate life when we were in corporate life we worked we worked it was like jumping from the frying pan into the <laughs> fire, but we at that point we had no children, and we had a business that we started without a restaurant we had a nine room inn that was just a b and b so within two months, we hired a chef opened the restaurant, which took off um and and then it was foliage season and wow. it was crazy um But anyway, we had, three years later, we had our first child, um, and that, that was a little bit of a shock. Um, even, even without being an innkeeper, it's a, it's a shock to have your first child and you, and everything, everything in your life shifts to become your priority becomes your baby. Um, and as someone whose work had always come first, it was kind of awesome. Um, at that point, the, the, uh. My husband wanted to make sure that I was, you know, when you're self-employed, there's no maternity leave. You don't you don't get six oh, wow. weeks or yeah. eight weeks or three months. Um, but he was really concerned that I was going to just get up, deliver the baby, get up and go back to work. And so for a few weeks there, he wouldn't let me even, even go downstairs. At that point, we were living in an apartment over the inn and uh, it, it was August and busy season and... I was able to really spend time with, with the baby and enjoy it, and, and it was wonderful. But I got kind of itchy, and of course, I wanted to go by foliage season. By the time October rolled around, I was right back into it. And I mean, I always think that the greatest gift that the in-business gave to us was that it forced us to find balance in our life. Because when you're an innkeeper, it's way too easy to have the business control everything that you do. If you like to work and you have a lot of energy, why not just do it? Do it yourself. It gets done right. You just keep going. You know, go to bed at 11 o'clock, get up at 5, keep going.
0: And if you wake up in the middle of the night, you just go out to your desk and you... Oh, no, you're one of us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah,
1: I did that. If, I mean, if I wake now, I'm older now, so I do wake up in the night a lot. Um, and sometimes I just, hit, I get up and I go down to my desk and I, I make a list of everything that's that I think I'm going to forget the next day. I write it all down and then I go back. Go back to sleep. So you can sleep. Yep, sleep until I have to get up. But when there's a baby involved, um, the baby may be waking you up every two hours. And if you're nursing, you got to feed the baby. And we tag teamed in those days. We tag teamed a lot. And and Phil worked more than I did then. Although we both were still working together. Um, And we sort of just passed the baby back and forth. And one of my friends just the other day was talking about how she came into the kitchen. One morning, and I was... I, I don't know what I was doing in the kitchen. I probably was cooking breakfast. But I I had my six-month-old baby sitting in an apple box, in a, an apple crate, on the counter, because he couldn't get out. And he had all his toys in the box. And he was happy as a clam, just sitting there. But he was right beside me. I was working. I could see him. I could do everything that I had to do.
0: um, And it and it worked fine. So how did, did you ever have any times where guests... Were un- unappreciative. Did you have the baby around the guests?
1: Uh, we didn't. Uh, no, not no. very much. We, uh, the first night that w- when we when we had David, our first child, we so he was one day old that we came home from the hospital, and Phil was so excited about him that he took him into the restaurant. And and showed him to every person in the dining room. This is my new baby. We just got him today. <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing with my child?" But we know we we actually we made a very conscious effort not to have. I mean, people people come to inns for different reasons, yeah. and they may be leaving their own kids at home, or mm-hmm. maybe they're grandparents and they love babies, but I mean, you don't know who you're getting, right. and they're not necessarily going to be honest with you about whether they're pleased to see your children or not. Exactly. So our, our kids were not allowed, our, our living quarters were separate from the inn, and they were not allowed to be down there running around. Um, they, when they were older, they worked around the inn. Mm-hmm. When they were teenagers... But when they were little kids, there was, there were no kids in there. We kept them separate. I was always totally paranoid about disturbing people or, or having them be, have kids in the dining room when people were trying to have breakfast or dinner It just seemed ridiculous to me. So no, we kept them separate.
0: Did you always live
1: within the building? We have always lived within the building. Our living quarters, um, initially, when we had no kids and we worked all the time, we just had a bedroom and a bathroom up on the second floor, and the dining room was underneath us. Mm -hmm. And then when the kids got big enough to start running around, they were both, they're they're a little less than two years apart. We have two little boys. Tons of energy, always running around. And we realized that we had to make a change with that because they were right over the, the dining room. And it wasn't enough room for us. By then, we had a kitchen up there and two bedrooms and a bathroom, and, and that we were pretty comfortable, but um, the, it wasn't really fair to the kids to be telling them to be quiet during when, when people were having dinner. So for a very short time, we lived up there, and then we built a new dining room and a kitchen for the inn and took over both f- uh, floors of the, oh, the nice. house that we were living in. So we, have a, so we live in a center hall colonial that just happens to be attached to the main inn. And my commute is uh, kind of a double-edged sword. It's uh, down some steps,
0: um, which is way too short and way too long, depending on the day. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we always lived in. We had an apartment attached to the rear of the inn and had to go through the game room to get to our apartment. So my daughters spent a lot of their time in the game room entertaining, you know, scamming guests in guests at the bumper pool table (laughs) and the pinball table I'm pretty sure they they taught some people some young children from New York a few things about (laughs) the game room (laughs) so when you're I found with my children once they started school it was a bit of a relief because we would put them on the bus in the morning and they went to full day kindergarten and and then the bus would come home at 3: 30, we also had a restaurant. So how did you divide that duty of after school? How did you deal with that?
1: Well, we at, at that point we, well, our kids went to daycare. They went to daycare starting when they were one. They were home with us a 100 percent of the time until they were one. and then we sent them to to daycare for the morning from nine to 12, five days a week. Oh nice. At that point. And one of us one of us would work the front of the front of the house in the morning. Um, we usually had a breakfast chef so we weren't we weren't cooking at that time of day. One of us would get up and get the inn going and the other one would get the kids going. And we would trade just trade it off depending on what had had to be done or you know, right. who wanted to do it or whatever. It, and that worked great. And then one of us would pick them up at twelve and we would they'd come home, take a nap and we would we negotiate who's who was going to do what then I mean, and the you know the other side of this is I mean with any luck, you have your work, you have your children, but you also need to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. so we were always negotiating who gets to exercise and when and what exercise are you going to do, and is it going to be one hour of of walking or is it going to be a hike up the mountain and you're not coming back for five hours? Yeah. There was a lot of those kind of negotiations I
0: felt you yeah, negotiation is a great word i I often say that Greg and I—we were 13 years. We, we you' you have been at it for almost 30, almost 30 years. So Greg and I were at it 13 years, and I always felt like we were always in some form of negotiation. <laughs> and once the children were gone, and we always had a full-time innkeeper who worked 40 hours a week, but um, I always felt like. You know, oh great! When the kids, you know, get older, we're gonna have this time. Well, when the kids got older, my husband decided we didn't need a full-time assistant innkeeper because nobody had to be home with the kids, and we need to save for college. So we cut so that position doing back. It. Yeah, and so we, but you know, once they could drive themselves to school and all that, it it did free up some time. But it it really did always seem kind of like a negotiation, and it was fine. It just it was sort of a ongoing way of marriage.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's self-employment and it's working with your spouse. Yes. That's just kind of the way it goes. So did either of you ever work outside the inn? Well, Phil, that's the that's the funny thing. When the kids were I think when they were mid-teenage years, he started working more outside the inn. And which which was great. It worked for both of us. He's one of those guys who he he thrives on change. Mm-hmm. And so he's he sort of stepped away from the inn a little bit and and has continued to step away as time has gone on, so like the fa- past ten years he hasn't been doing working in the inn at all oh. yeah, which and that's probably why we're we've been there for such a long time because all of those negotiations have gone away yeah. the The one thing that I wanted to say is that um when the kids were little like that, we had every shift we had front desk coverage for every shift all day long from from seven fifteen in the morning until the restaurant closed at night so that if it was busy one of us would be working but we also had room there so that we could be home with the kids both of us at the same time because which, the person with the could cover the restaurant if it was yeah quiet depending night. on depending on what yeah. was going on if there was a wedding or something like that then we we both were working mm-hmm. but um that allowed us to 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 make things work with the kids we also it also allowed us so that that when the kids had both kids played soccer, and we both wanted to go be able to go and see them, and and I we I I only missed a couple of soccer games in in all the years that they were in high school, which was that's what I wanted. Yeah, that's what we did this for.
0: I was just visiting my daughter in Chicago last weekend, and she was telling her new boyfriend about growing up in the inn, and one of the things she <laughs> remembered was during busy time during the fall, we had a lot of repeat visitors. And often they would go up to school to the, watch the girls You're play kidding. soccer and bring them home. And they said, you know, because we were just both too busy to get out. They'd come home from their touring around. They'd have their ciders and cider and cookies. And then they'd go over and watch the girls and then bring the girls home. <laughs> and I had forgotten that. And she and I said, did she resent that? She said, no. It was, you know, they were people we knew. They were people we loved to see. And you know, everybody thought it was kind of cool that the you know big fancy lady from Texas with her big hat and you know, southern <laughs> accent was, you know, go, Lisa. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so I guess, you know, just do what you got to do.
1: Well, it's the, t- it takes a village approach. Mm-hmm. We did that with our staff. We had a couple of staff members who loved kids and they helped me a lot with the kids. Mm-hmm. I'd say Leslie, my assistant innkeeper, she worked for, for me for 28 years. She's another reason why I could do it by myself, um, cuz she was such a huge help but i i'd say less i'll cover this when you want to go get dave up from his nap and she was she didn't have any children she thought that was such yeah. big fun and so excited and you know i was just as happy to keep working
0: <laughs> right so it right. worked out perfectly yeah and i think that i think my kids were really well rounded because of that we on saturday nights when we both had to work when they were little we would have a sitter come and, you know, it was usually just a sixth or seventh grader because we were there. And, it, yeah. and they would just come order dinner from the restaurant. They loved that, you know, get the girls, watch a movie with the girls, put them to bed. And then their parents would usually come get them. But I, and then those girls grew up to be my breakfast waitress. <laughs> and, my, and a lot of them worked for us, you know, the entire time we were there. But, but it really did bring my children to an understanding of, you know, just a different culture of people. Yeah. When your kids got older, did they get much exposure to the guests in the end? Um, a little bit. Particularly, our, our older
1: son was very good when he was in college. He and he still is. It was very, he's only twenty six years old right now, but he was very good with any computers or TVs or anything. And when we switched over to Dish TV, it was like it was trauma for all the guests because they couldn't figure out. You know, the, some of the older guests couldn't figure out how to turn the TVs on. And some of our staff members didn't have Dish TV at home, didn't know how to fix it. So we would get beater. David. We, we'd call. We, he would fix the TVs remotely from col- from college, two hours away. I'd call him on the phone, and he'd tell me how to fix whatever. Um, now or, that's handy. Oh, it was really handy. Or we had a. This is classic. We got struck by lightning um, Labor Day weekend, and he hadn't gone back to college yet. He was a senior, a junior in college. And we got struck by lightning. Phil wasn't there. He's usually, I mean, Phil, he doesn't work at the inn, but if I ever need anything or if there's an emergency, he's always there. And he steps right in and does whatever needs to be done. Um, But he was gone for the weekend on some business thing. And And so it was me and Dave and the inn got struck by lightning. It did not light on fire, but the lightning strike took out our telephone system, our fire alarm. Our, all of our front desk computers, um, we couldn't function at all. Um, and the breakfast chef had called in sick. So I was in the kitchen. It happened in the middle of the night. And everybody, I, I sent everybody back to bed once we realized that we weren't going to burn the place down. And and so we cooked breakfast for several hours because people were tired. And they, we, I said, just come down whenever you're ready. So Dave stood at the front desk and coordinated everybody that was coming in to fix everything. We couldn't... Our credit card machine was fried. We couldn't check anybody out. Yeah. And he, he just he Took just charge. kept track of everything and stood there and fixed anything that he could but just coordinated all of it. He was extremely helpful that day. But, yeah, they do... And, and, and a lot of times, you know, having a young guy like that who's, you know, people are, okay, Dave, whatever you say, you know. Mm-hmm. He can say the same thing that I say
0: in his 25-year-old way and... Yeah. and People just say okay. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I, I when it came time, we ended up selling when it came time for our kids to go to college. We weren't really expecting to, but we missed our oldest daughter's. Um, yeah, we drove her to college. We literally just pushed her out of the car because we had a wedding that weekend. So oh. we literally pulled up, sixteen hour drive. Said, "Here you are, boom."
2: And oh. my husband's
0: bawling his eyes out, and <laughs> we're driving back to Vermont. But then. And then, you know, Parents Weekend came, we couldn't go, and we realized we're going to miss this complete time in their life, and her sister was two grades behind, so that's when we sold, we called Bill and Ida, and said, we called in partners, and we just said we need to transition, and we were very lucky, because before our other daughter started college, we had sold, and were somewhat stable, and really able to enjoy those years. So it, you know, but... I will say it was hard to leave it because it was, well, if you enjoy hard. it, it's hard to leave. Yeah. And it was what we identified as, but yeah, I think both of our children appreciated the fact, cause we were right at Killington ski resort. So both our kids really appreciate the fact when they did come home from college, they didn't have to work breakfast, lunch and dinner to spend time with their parents. Yeah. But you know, and I think, so I think, I really think raising, I'm really proud of, what it instilled in my kids. Yes. But I also am really happy as I watch young people having to get daycare and, you know, drop them off on the way to work and be sure to get out of work in time. It it really was a much more simple way of life, even though there were days I thought, how can I juggle all this? And it sounds like you did very well with it, too.
1: Well, and I mean, it's a, that's the thing. Being self-employed and raising kids means that the choice is yours. Mm-hmm. If you really... If you really want to do something you can find a way to do it yeah so that you can be with your kids if that's what you want to do and um, I, I tried really hard not to miss things every now and then something would come uh, a funeral or a wedding or something that I just couldn't find my way to get right. there but with the kids I I almost always did and mm-hmm. and I have no regrets about that I don't know what would have happened if I had kept working in an office and and that corporate, you know, I was just sucked into that yeah. spiral of corporate too. life.
0: I was too. And I didn't see outside of it um, because everybody you were with was in that corporate life too, yeah. and you didn't see them at home if they did have children because you were coming in from different parts of the world to work in these offices. Yeah, I did. I I traveled a lot. I worked just like you did, and I I look back and I think you know, had I not. Had those kids and decided because we decided to raise the kids in the end. And if I hadn't done that, I'd just I'd probably still be in New York with my head spinning.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know me too. It's I mean, fun. my head's
0: spinning sometimes right. in New Hampshire, but but at least I'm the
1: one that's spinning it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've made the choice. Yeah.
0: Well, Judy, I think this has been a really interesting conversation, and I hope it helps people. This is the what I'm hoping from this series of podcasts is to. Educate people, share stories, and I think I know, I'm sure you feel the same way when I do have the time to get together with other innkeepers. There's such a kindred spirit, and there's (laughs) such good information sharing. So hopefully, you know, I'll be able to have you back to talk about other subjects as we go along with this podcast series, and I really appreciate you um, coming to visit with us today, and I hope to see you soon. Oh, my pleasure. So nice to meet you. Thank you. BedandBreakfast.com is the world's largest BB travel site, connecting travelers seeking intimate, one of a kind, and locally owned accommodations with innkeepers and BB owners from around the world. Advertise your property on bedandbreakfast.com and meet a whole new world of travelers. So some of you might remember David Heiler from some previous podcasts. And so today we are talking about another subject that's near and dear to both David <laughs> and me, and that is raising children in our inns. And David had David's wife had a baby the day they closed on the that's inn right. and moved into the inn. So why don't you talk a little bit about your first few years as an innkeeper Adding to your family.
2: Um, yeah, we um, Miles was born the day we bought the inn and, and uh, Stacy and I had a, a great agreement about you know where, where, where the division of labor lay and, and she was going to do a lot to take care of him and, and I was going to do a lot to take care of the inn and uh, I also was very happy that I was there for all the early mm. exciting moments of his life. Um, we had our daughter two years later and people always say, oh, you must have had a lot of time on your hands. I was like, well... That's twice, (laughs) but, um, uh, it, it definitely, it was great to be there at the same time. Um, there were some really big challenges with that. I mean, I feel like while I was, they knew I was there as they got older, um, and they could not really be with me. I think that was difficult. I can remember the hardest part being that, um, I would leave home, uh, you know, before they woke up a lot of times and wouldn't come back from 15 feet away until after they went to bed, you know, except for just quick little visits.
0: Yeah, my children have these memories of on a busy Saturday night when they were too old to have a babysitter back in the apartment with Mm -hmm. them, but they'd be back there. They have these memories of Greg, of one of us just running back and throwing plates of food in front of them at dinner time, and then saying, (laughs) you know, see you when the restaurant closes at 11. So that, you know, we tried every other night of the week, one of us to be back in the apartment with the children doing homework, um, having even cooking for them, not very often cooking for them really, but, you know, at least getting food for them. But it was still always a struggle. But ours were older. Ours were five and six when we got there. And, you know, it got easier and easier until they started driving, which then I couldn't sleep at night. So how old were you? How old were the children when you sold the inn? They,
2: uh, They were five and three five and, and three. They had gotten to the point where we, you know, we were a four diamond, uh, triple A's, you know, select registry, wine spectator award, uh, restaurant and inn, And so relatively upscale, uh, our clientele was very affluent New York essentially. And, uh, we got to the point where we felt like it was, uh, not fair that they couldn't run across their lawn and they couldn't go swim in the pool uh, on the weekends and, uh, they couldn't come into the inn uh, a lot. And, if I have time for one quick story, sure. I think you know one of the one of the memories I have where we were like, yeah, it's probably time. Was um my restaurant manager came over to the house uh right at, at dinner time and he said, hey uh you know Miles is out on the front walkway and he's chatting with guests, and I said that sounds nice of him and he said yeah he's not wearing any pants, and I was like oh <laughs> great and sure enough there's Miles in a construction hat and t-shirt with a Buzz Lightyear in his hand chatting up this nice couple you know fully dressed in tie and jacket and, and you know, pearl necklace and everything and they were very intrigued by the conversation but
0: <laughs> that's a great story probably
2: wasn't appropriate so you know we they grew up knowing that there was an invoice and a home voice and uh, I can remember walking into the inn and um, with you know one of the babies you know and one was a baby on my arm and having a woman at the breakfast buffet look over and scowl. Yes. And I just took them right back out again. And you know, that you know, that was difficult.
0: Yeah, it's such a hard line. I mean, I, I you know, ninety percent of my guests love seeing my kids, getting to know my kids, and ten percent of my guests I would say just never really wanted to interact with them. So right. that was a hard part, but again they were older and I think that's something a potential innkeepers need to think about is if they're young and they're wanting to get into innkeeping as a career which i think you know that's appealing to young couples that want to work together is how do you have a family and remain you know the inn that you want to be and i think that de- that would depend on the kind of inn you buy i think there's certain inns that are totally appropriate and mine was sort of that way we had we were family friendly we had swings in the yard we had a pool but in your situation it wasn't an inn that was family friendly necessarily and because yeah. you had a yeah you weren't really a destination no and families. we actually did
2: not encourage children obviously you cannot say no um, yep. but we just said we're a 200 year old in upscale property um we want you and your children and our other guests to have a good time and you know we feel that it's not a great environment for kids um under the age of 12 we, we say we welcome all children between the ages of 12 and 80 and, um, that, you know, I remember that. so, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was the, the best way to encourage, um, uh, them not to, but people did bring kids on occasion, but very rarely, but for ours, I mean, I, I think the essential parts for us were, you know, our, our house was separated from the inn by about 15 feet. I mean, you had to walk past it to go to one of our cottages, um, but that 15 feet was, was essential to our, um, our survival as a family. And I think the other uh, aspect was sitting down with my wife, Stacey, and saying, you know, this is going to be my role, and this is going to be your role, or, or both mm-hmm. of us. I mean, she had no interest in running the inn. She said, I'm not doing it. I'm going to stay here, do this, and you know, work outside of the property, and I will take care of the kids, you know, when needed, and I'll help you in the inn when needed. I mean, so she'd go to the grocery store and buy groceries for us and then, you know, a case of vodka and a case of, you know, (laughs) um, stuff like that. But, I mean, her role was was primarily outside of the inn and mine was primarily inside of the inn.
0: You certainly had your hands full. Yeah. And I want to go back to the welcoming children and that policy because I think it's something, another policy that people really struggle with. When we came to look at our inn for the final time before we put the offer on the Vermont Inn... Our daughter was five, our younger daughter, and they had a we welcome guests six and older. Mm-hmm. And we were like, this is an awful policy. All children are going to be welcome in our inn. So we checked into a room, the four of us, into a family room, and our daughter got a cough. And she started coughing and coughing, and we didn't know you cough syrup with, syrup with us, and we were in the middle of nowhere. So Greg went in and found a grocery store that was open, came back. But in the meantime, we had awakened pretty much everybody <laughs> in the inn. And so that was our lesson yeah. of, you know, certainly children six and older get coughs, but she was just not of an age where we could control it. And so we went on with that policy of welcoming children six and older, and really didn't run into any problems, to many problems, throughout the years. So that's another thing as a prospective innkeeper, and not only having your own kids, but allowing what your policy is going to be to encourage children, and what you say when someone challenges you on that policy. And it
2: is is illegal to discriminate uh, on any basis, so you can't say no, but you can make it so that it is not necessarily conducive. And we also charged a fee. We charged our full extra person rate for kids. And people thought that was outrageous. But we said, look, they're an extra person. We're not well set up for this. You know, we're going to give them the cot and the towel and the breakfast and everything that goes along with it, just like everyone else. As a matter of fact, it's even a little bit more for us to do it because we're not well set up for children.
0: Well, that and that is interesting. Something else interesting that happened when online booking started mm-hmm. so when you were no when we were no longer able to speak to every guest that called right that booked and they were just booking online and possibly showing up as a late arrival and they would book for two so we'd have them in a room with one bed and they'd come down in the morning and have one or more children surprise with them. and yeah you know, and so we actually had to change our policy and our schedule and I ended up then staying up for all late arrivals after people started booking online because we weren't having that intimate conversation with every single person Mm. that booked so that we could deal with situations like that and there were times that I literally had to put children on the couch in the living room or the game room because their parents had booked a small room with one bed usually the least expensive room in the inn and so I would have the children sleeping down in the common areas. Even
2: though it said on that booking, you know, room is only <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for two people. Eight by ten. And, yeah, right. <laughs> With a it's double a two-person room. Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. So anyway, another another interesting yeah. piece to how innkeeping has evolved. So I can't wait to have you come back and talk about some other subjects. But thanks so much for stopping by today. Thanks
2: again. Appreciate it, Megan. You've been listening to Inside
0: Inkeeping, hosted by Megan Smith. Our show is produced by Catherine Hayes and Luke Stafford in partnership with InPartners, Mondo MediaWorks, and Megan Smith Consulting. You can find Inside Inkeeping on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe or stay in touch at InsideInkeeping.com. Thanks for listening.